folks, to Everyday Strong with Dr. Michael G. Daniels. This is your host, C.B. Baker. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I hope everyone had a great um, Memorial Day um, holiday, the three-day weekend that we had. Everybody enjoys that, but also we got to remember why we had that three-day holiday. It was for the remembrance of our soldiers that had fallen for our freedom. Um, Thank you so much for listening, and welcome to the show, Dr. Daniels. Well, thank you, and it's always a pleasure to, to be here. And I, I must say, I had an extremely enjoyable um, Memorial Day weekend. It was very busy, but it was still enjoyable. I had an opportunity uh, to get some relaxing in, um, but also had the opportunity to perform two weddings, which is always a, a pleasing thing to do. Uh, so it was a good weekend. I enjoyed it. I hope everyone else enjoyed it, too. And I'm also looking forward to uh, our conversation today because I think that the topic is one um, that get his home with a lot of people. Yes, it does. And, and like I've said in life, if you've ever really lived, you're always going to be dealing with um, difficult people in your life. Unless, like I said, you're a monk that's on top of a mountain um, meditating for the rest of your life. And then one may say that you even encounter a difficult person in that aspect, which is yourself. Because <laughs> every once in a while, Pastor, we do get in our own way sometimes. Absolutely. So, how do we deal with um, handling difficult people? Well, you know, one thing you said that was key, and that is you said we often can become difficult ourselves. And uh, certainly uh, all of us can be labeled as difficult in some some moment in time. But what I what I what I'm what I like to look at is but there are certain uh, characteristics that seem to permeate some some individual's personality. And, and so for those folk, uh, I guess we can kind of look at them as being what we would call difficult people. And and, and those, they fit into two categories, basically. Uh, we have people that are difficult in our everyday relationships, whether they be uh, friends, family members, uh, associates that we deal with um, in our neighborhoods. Uh, even our spouses sometimes can fit that category. And then you have difficult people that you deal with in in an employment setting, you know, uh, and from our perspective, I think, you know, you could, we can break those up because if we, if we don't, it'll, it'll be a very long conversation. So let's just look at those people that are in our everyday walk, you know, our, our friends, our neighbors, people we encounter in church. And, and I, I'll say this, the first thing I think we have to do is we have to look at that character and say, which type of difficult person am I dealing with? And the Bible, if you, you know, read through the Bible, most of, most of the time we don't look at the the characters in the Bible to see how do those characters fit people that we see every day. If you do that, you, you'll find that there are uh, some basic characteristics uh, that you find. You know, for example, uh, we have what I call the uh, Cain effect, right? If you look at the Bible, Cain was an individual that was pretty uh, self-absorbed, if you think about it. You know, his concept was me first. Uh, and and so um, he was the kind of individual that needed a lot of praise. He was more concerned with, with him being the focus than on the situation being dealt with the way it should be. And, and there are a lot of people that feel that way. Way. They, they think they're always right. They like to impress you with their knowledge. And they seem more concerned with um, making you think they're right than in resolving any issue that you deal with. And those are the kind of folk that people always say they're know-it-alls. And, and after right. a while, you get sick of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you do get sick of people that's, that's um, always, 
you you make a comment about something or you got that or better yet, Pastor, you have that guy in the barbershop when you tell a story about a situation. Here he come tell another story that the one up you after a while, it's like, OK, look, why can't I just have my little stand or what I'm doing? Let me have my light to shine. Why you always got to outshine me when I'm trying to do something? You know, everybody can can shine, but you don't have to over, you know, overpower somebody with your knowledge or your well, what you think, you know, right. I'll say lack of knowledge. But, you know, <laughs> uh, it, again, it, when you have people that is me first, me, 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 those are the kind of people that always presume that your feelings that, you know, where you are in life is secondary to where they are in life. And that's why I call the kind of the Cain, the Cain effect. If you if you remember Cain in the Bible, um, Cain was upset because his offering um, did not please God as Abel's offering did. Now, obviously, Cain had an opportunity to give a pleasing offering, um, but he did what he wanted to do. And in effect, got so angry that he killed his brother uh, rather than try to get a better offering to, to please God. And, and there are people in our lives that are very difficult to work with because they always want to come into the picture as if they're always right. They're always right. And they're upset if you question whether or not they are right. And, and, and so for them folk, oftentimes what they'll do is, is that they will try to, uh, I guess, blackmail you um, by uh, pulling back away from you, you know, as as Cain, uh, not only did he kill his brother, but when the Lord approached him, you know, Cain says, "Well, am I my brother's keeper?" You know, he he, he pulls away, uh, as if the, the as if that's going to make you know God, you know, for some reason, um, uh, feel, feel feel different different about you know what's going on. Um, but at any rate, uh, so for people like that, you know, uh, the best thing uh, to do is, unfortunately, we have to be careful not to criticize them. Uh, because when you're dealing with folk like that, they want to always believe they are right. So if you ever criticize them, it kind of adds more fuel to the fire, you know, more or less. So. Uh, in dealing with folk like that, we know they love praise. We know they love to be supported. Uh, and so even though they may be wrong, oftentimes it's important to praise them for at least bringing up the idea or saying something so they can feel good about themselves. Because those are the kind of folk that just need to feel good about themselves. And all they can feel good is if they think they're always right. Right. So the best way to neutralize a person like that is to really just acknowledge them on on something that they gave positive to the, to the situation. Right, because everybody has something good to say. And if I just jump to criticize, then it escalates things. And and that's what you don't want to do is escalate something with a person that's already, you know, has a character that's kind of difficult. Because, again, when that happens, again, I use Cain and Abel as an example. Uh, because Cain was criticized and because Cain could not deal with the criticism, he kills his own brother. And in, in reality, that's how we do uh, when we're confronted with people like that. You know, they may not kill us, lit- you know, uh, kill us, you know, physically, uh, but their attitude towards us become very deadly, you know, right. uh, in those situations. And it, de- it definitely this um, type 
of how you handle that reminds me of a sales tactic when you're in sales and then, and then the person is objecting to what you're saying. If you just go ahead and just, they say, just agree with whatever they're saying, because that's not what's holding the person back. So therefore you're neutralizing them before they even get started. But if you was to go back and forth with the person, then you'll know you'll never get to sale and will not end positive for you. So this, that how to handle a person that's dealing with the cane effect, that me first attitude is, um, that's very powerful and easy, very easy tool to have in your tool book to walking through life when you're dealing with um, diff- that type of difficult person. Right. Let them think they're first. You know, let them think they're first. Because remember, our job is to try to move beyond the personality and to somehow find a, a middle ground. And I guess I, I should have said this, too, is that one of the things we have to consider is, is this, what the scripture says uh, in Romans in the um, uh, 12th chapter. Um, the the uh, the writer says that if it be possible that we ought to live peaceably with all men, you know, if it be possible, which is a clear indication of how we ought to approach things, is that our job should be to find a way toward peace with people. And so if the person is difficult, you know, rather than escalate, you know, let's figure out how we can de-escalate. And if it means that they need to feel good about themselves, let them feel good about themselves so we can get to the you know, the solution or, or the relationship that we're trying to have with them. That's correct. So is any other types of difficult people that we need to be out there looking for? Well, absolutely, because that's 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 the one that's easy to deal with, you right. know. But then you have folk that are, I guess, what um, if you look at Saul, for example, as people have the Saul complex. Saul was uh, one of the kings in uh, in in, um, in of Israel, uh, and and Saul was the kind of king that wanted to be in charge of everything. You know, he, he was he was a, a very controlling individual. In fact, he, he you know one of his great downfalls was when he made a decision to act as a priest uh, when that was not where he should have been. Uh, but because of that kind of thing, uh, it caused him great difficulty. And, and people like that tend to get enraged easily if they feel they are not in control. You know, those are the kind of folk that if you're having a conversation with them and you you point out an error that they feel like they have to always over talk you, you know, uh, or put on an angry face, try, try to dominate the conversation per se, um, because they kind of think that if they can um, bully you in the conversation, uh, that that will make them the right person in the conversation. And just because you're a bigger bully don't make you right. No, it doesn't. And and one could I honestly say that um, we're dealing with a bully in the Oval Office right now. And he just basically <laughs> is he's saying what he's saying as if it's true when we've got plenty of evidence saying it is not true. And, and you deal with that. Now, what, now, let's take it down a notch, right? Because one thing we can as a people can do stuff about our president. And we some things we can, some things we can't. We go out and vote. Right. But now. Let's take it down a couple notches down to your boss. What if you have a boss that's like that, Pastor, that is always right? And but you clearly looking at your report and you're looking at it and you're saying, you know what, this ain't looking like how what he's saying I should do. Mm-hmm. But he's the boss. So how do we handle a you know a scenario like that? Well, again, see if he's right because he has the cane attitude, that's one thing. If he's right because he has a saw attitude, that's another thing. Because the saw attitude is I'm right 
and I am mad that you told me I was not right. I'm angry with you. I will I will seek to to destroy you because you told me I was not right. Again, you look at how Saul treated David. Uh, Saul, even though David uh, had no ill will towards Saul, Saul wanted to kill David uh, because of, of 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 his feeling that David was now being looked upon as more important than what Saul was. And so, if you have that kind of person in your life um, that that is is easily enraged by the fact that um, uh, they are not um, the premier entity that, that you're dealing with. Probably the best thing to do when folk like that, number one, is that you, you never want people like that to, to necessarily control you, you know, because once they have control, they will not let it go. And so a subtle way of not allowing them to control you is to let them know that you understand why they are so... Um, adamant about the position they hold. So if the person is saying something to you like, well, you know, I know what I'm looking for in these reports, you know, and and so I have to, you are the boss, you know, I understand that. And I realize that this is what you really want to see. And I'm never going to, to, to go against your will. I'm just trying to help you see the picture in a way that will help the, the company, let's say, or to benefit you. Uh, and if it's even if it's a spouse sometimes who can be, you know, really controlling. And some people, their defense is, again, with controllers, their defense is to get loud and boisterous. And so if there's a spouse that's doing that, you know, you can let them know. I understand this is so this is important to you. I, I get it. I know it's important to you and I appreciate that. And I can see why it is. And I'm not trying to diminish what you're saying. I'm just trying to show you that there can be it can be done another way or that this is, you know, how I feel about it as well. Because remember, your goal, the end game is always to deescalate. Right. And so if you don't help them to feel if you don't help a person that has a Saul character attitude to feel important, they're going to keep trying to push you down so they can build themselves up. Yes. You know, so sometimes the front door is locked. You just go out and go in through the side door. A- absolutely. Absolutely. You, you, you know, you don't want to, uh, uh, as, as, as the scripture says, you don't want to kick against the prick. That's what Jesus <laughs> told, uh, um, <laughs> told Paul. Yeah. Because uh, what happens is you end up hurting yourself. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you're in a, a scenario like that. Now I've, I've dealt with that too. And I've also, as, as being a business owner, sometimes have to catch myself from being that like you can you can just be so right so many times and you think that you know everything you're doing is to, is always going to be right and then when somebody says well you know CB this is not the right direction to take you have to realize you know, wait a minute I have to take a step back I hired this person to, to do something mm-hmm. to be able to help me see something that I might not be able to see and so if they're coming to me I can't shoot the messenger you know if they're giving me right. bad news I have to look at it and analyze it you know you have to recognize it within yourself now which brings me to another uh, point here how can we handle ourselves if we recognize that we may be one of these two types of difficult people before we move on to the other type well again you know uh I guess the the thing is that that we have to look at what is what is the end game, you know. And I think all of us should look 
at our character and say, am I am I a difficult person to deal with? And then let me say this. All of us can be difficult, no doubt. So when I say a difficult person, I'm not talking about those people that exhibit these kind of characteristics, you know, on a random basis. You know, all of us can sometimes be a little boisterous. All of us sometimes can be self-absorbed, you know, and, and want me first. Um, but once you recognize you are, I guess, you know, to me, the thing to do is to look at um, take a lesson from the individuals in the scripture and see what led to their demise and see what they should have done based on scripture. You know, for example, if you look at Cain, right, one who wanted to always be me first kind of individual, me first, me first, me first. Um, A heavenly father says to Cain uh, when he addresses him about his situation, uh, Cain's response is, am I my brother's keeper? That's his response. Am I my brother's keeper? Now, clearly God's response to him will indicate, yes, you are your brother's keeper. You know, that's a part of what life is all about, to not look at yourself first, but also look at those around you first. So if I'm that kind of person that always want to think I am the center of the meeting, let's say you're having a meeting with a group of folk and that person is always the center of the meeting. They're the ones that want to dominate the meeting all the time. They always have the right suggestion. They always have the right ideas. If I look and on to say, that's me, I have to back up and say, wait a minute. Okay. The Bible says, am I my brother's keeper? So it's up to me to pull people in Rather than act like I am the center, I should actively pull folk in and say, what do you think? What do you think? How can we make it better? How can we obtain the objective? Because I'm trying to get away from the me and I'm trying to pull my brothers in. Yes. And let's say if I'm the other one, you know, let's say I'm Saul, right? I mean, you know, obviously that's the kind of person that, you know, kills themselves trying to kill other people. And that's how Saul was. He wasted a lot of time chasing behind David when David was not a threat to him. David was a help to him, but that's how uh, people who have that bullying kind of personality are at times. You know, uh, they spend so much time trying to elevate themselves, they miss the fact that other folk are really helping them out. So, uh, so what happens to Saul? You know, of course, you know he ends up dying in battle um, um, because he cannot bear the fact that he is not as great as he thought he was, and so he asks someone who is who is in his army uh, to help him commit suicide, you know, uh, because there's too much of a weight on him to think that he's really not in control of everything. So, I mean, the obvious thing is to understand something. I don't care how great I think I am. I'm not, I'm never the greatest. I'm just never the greatest. And I always need people around me. And so anytime I feel myself getting enraged at someone because they're trying to show me a different way, I need to understand something. Why am I upset? Why am I so mad? Why does the truth bother me to this extent? If I am mad when you put the truth in my face, I'm hurting myself. And so I should understand I'm hurting me. I'm not really, really hurting you. And so if I want to help myself, I have to calm down and ask myself, why am I mad that you told me? What the truth is, you know, there's a there's a, um, a saying that people that we like to say that you should always be willing to speak, speak truth to power. And if I am the power, I need to stop getting mad when people speak the truth. That's right. So what's some other um, types of difficult people that we well, you know, you always have them folk, and I, and I, and I know you have to have them in, as, a, as a business owner, where when um, you try to put a new concept on the table, that their first thing is, 
Yeah, but that's not the way we used to do it. <laughs> uh, that's not the way we used to do it. Yes. That's not the way we used to do it. And, and, and I would say, if you look at the Pharisees, you know, they're those kind of folk. When Jesus came, you know, they were the kind of folk that could not accept that there was a new way of, 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 of um, looking at how God wants us to live. I mean, what God wants from us has always been the same. He wants us to recognize that he is our creator. Uh, but Jesus was letting them understand that, hey, listen, the way you have done it all this time needs to be modified because you have kind of gone away from what God intended and you have stayed in a way that was so systematic that it is no longer effective. And there are people who get so used to doing things the same way over and over and over and over again, mm-hmm. that it's hard to break them out of that routine. Uh, and so why then do they do that? Most of them do it that way because they're afraid to fail. If you think about right. it, they, they're afraid to fail. And, and if they keep doing it the same way, then they don't have to take credit for the failure. They can just keep saying that's where we've always, that's where we've always done it. Right. Uh, so, uh, to me, if I'm if I'm dealing with folk like that again, if you look at the way the Bible sets that thing up, um, Jesus helped them to understand that. Listen, our job is to do what our Father wants us to do. That's the key thing. So He's saying, listen, if you do it the way I'm telling you to do it, then what that does is it takes the responsibility off of you. So if it does not work, it's not your failure. It's God's failure because he's the one that said this is the way it should be done. And the same thing, I think, um, in, in, in everyday life, I know as a pastor, that's something that I hear uh, oftentimes from individuals that are more seasoned in their Christian development, you know, that they're used to the old way churches were run and those kind of things. So when you bring new ideas in, they're, they're, they're not comfortable with that, right. you know. And so you just have to, um, uh, if you're dealing with those people in those settings, the best thing to do is let them know, hey, you know what? I take full responsibility. If it don't work, it's on me. It's on me. If it fails, it's on me. I tell my staff at church all the time. I should tell my staff now, you know, was uh, working uh, for the federal government. If you do it your way and it fails, it's your problem. If you do it my way and it fails, it's my problem. Right. <laughs> and, and so it takes the weight off those people who are always trying to stop things from moving forward and just keep them where they are. Yeah. And holding people accountable is, is a huge thing with that in business as well as in life. And, you know, there's a lot of people walking around. Well, I don't have that job because, or I, I didn't, I didn't get to go to college because, or I didn't graduate college because, and it's always because of something else that, that seemingly was out of their control. Um, and then they're, they're stuck in, in a place. And I've noticed a lot of people, um, in smaller towns get like that. They feel like, okay, I was born here. I was raised here. I'm going to stay here. And they have no job. There's no job opportunities nearby, but they just refusing to leave. You know, like you, like you were saying, but they sit and say, well, it's not on me because there's no jobs here. Mm-hmm. But if you hold yourself accountable, no one has got a gun to your head saying you got to live in that small town. You can go move and seek opportunities other places. You know, where does opportunities at? So is is the Pharisees effect more 
Is it similar to being like a victim or suffering victimitis? Well, I, I don't know if I would call it a, a victim because I don't think the Pharisees saw themselves as victims. Let me say that. They didn't see themselves as victims. Uh, they just wanted to keep the status quo. You know, right. their thing was let's maintain the status quo. Um, and, 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 well, a couple of reasons. One, maintaining the status quo helped them maintain their positions. And so if we keep it like it is, we stay where we are in power. Um, and, and, and again, for, again, let's if you look at again, look at the work environment, for example, the status quo always helps people that think they're in a good position because mm-hmm. to change the status quo makes them feel like they may change their position. And so you could bring in a great idea, a great idea, and they won't implement the idea because they're worried of how it will affect their position. Yeah. You know, I've brought what I consider to be great ideas into uh, into the church or also into workplaces. And I will notice that people have heartedly moved them forward, you know, if they do them at all. Sometimes they'll tell me <laughs> they did it and I'll yes. know they didn't do it. Yeah, I'll witness that myself. Right. And then I'll hear, you know, through the grapevine, you know, whispering, is he getting ready to fire somebody? Is he getting ready to get rid of somebody? So that lets me know that the reason why they obstructed things is because they were trying to preserve themselves, you know. But what that does is hampers our ability to move forward. Right. You know, and that's true on the job. That's even true in family relationships, that there are people that don't want to move forward because they're afraid of it impacting their status in the family. It's true in neighborhoods. It's true. In, it, it, there's always people in our lives that, um, try to prevent progress. I guess that's the best way to put it. And their prevention of progress usually is because of their fear that they will be left behind. Now, I'm, this is going to segue into one of the words that I know everybody out there talks about all the time. Is that a form of hating if you basically shutting somebody else down from changing something that benefits everybody, but because it doesn't benefit you? I would say amen. And I would say that not only is it a form of hating for those who have that Pharisee concept, but also if you have the Cain's concept, it definitely is a form of hating uh, because people, you know, if you really think about difficult people, for the most part, all of them are haters. I mean, you know, no doubt all of them are. Right. Because the reason why people are difficult is because they want to be the dominant factor. You know, it's always them first kind of deal. And if it's them first, they may not think they're haters, but really what they don't like is the idea of someone else rising equally with them. Yeah. And which is, yeah, it's all, I could go for about 10, 20 minutes just on that by itself, yeah. Pastor. So next double is, what's another type of difficult person? I, I would say, and this is probably the one that causes folks the most anxiety if you if you have people in your life, and that are folk like the Pharaoh, you know, the, the Pharaoh in, in Egypt uh, during the time of, uh, of Moses. Um, those are folk that just want to destroy, you know, they just want to destroy all, everything that's around them. Uh, you know, he, he, there, there was no value in him doing what he did, uh, but he was just an, a destructive individual. When you consider his relationship with with, uh, um, with with Moses, his relationship with the Israelites, he could have got more out of them if he treated them differently. You know, here's a man that just says, you know, because he's angry, you're going to make brick without straw. Right. And so that right. that 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 hurts him. But he's just such an angry individual. He's willing to destroy his own uh, 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 kingdom 
uh, right. uh, you know, to destroy other folk. Uh, and, 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 and people that have that kind of um, character, um, they will destroy you for no reason. You know, those are the kind of folk. And I think ladies probably experience this more than, than guys do. You know, a lady can come into the environment, let's say, for example, and, and someone who is old in the group would look at the new person and say, oh, she thinks she's cute. She thinks she's cute. Right. And so for no reason, you don't know her. She's done nothing bad to you. She, that person will do everything they can to destroy that person. It also happens in the work environment. You can apply for a job and get the job. You didn't select yourself. <laughs> Right, right, right. But you get the job. And there are other folk that wish they had the job that will try to destroy you yep. for no good reason, because destroying you still won't get them the job. Right. Because if they could have gotten the job, they, they would have gotten, gotten it anyway. But they will try to destroy you. They just... They just, they just have that destructive nature within them. They're like poison. They poison everything they touch. They poison all the people they come into contact with. Uh, that's just their personality. I mean, we just call them mean for no reason. But they are folk like that. And the Bible says, again, I, I refer back to, uh, to what the scripture says, live peaceably with all men, you know, as much as within you. Folk like that, the best thing for you to do, it's like they're like arsenic. So if you see arsenic lying around, the best thing to do is not to pick it up. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. Stay away from it as far as possible. I mean, sometimes you can't. You have to deal with folk like that. But at all costs, stay away from people that you know are poison. You don't let people who you, who you know are poison into your personal lives because they will use everything they learn against you yes, to, will. to help destroy you. Uh, and, and it says live peaceably with all men as much as it is within you to do so. So what that says is that, hey, listen, if I know that being with you will destroy me, I need to put distance between you and I. And yes. sometimes that's what you have to do with those kind of people. Yes. And it, it also reminds me of um, this saying um, in situations like that, where if you can deal with a person like that or go to business with a person like that, if your interests are the same, but the second your interests are no longer the same, he's going to turn around and try to crush you as well. Yeah. So you have to be very careful um, dealing with that type of person. And I always say it's, it's really like a, a a viper. You know, you can right. raise it from from youth, but at some point it's going to turn around and be a viper and it's going to bite you. Absolutely. You know, my mother would say you handle you, you, you deal with them with a long handle spoon. Yeah. In other words, you know, she's saying, listen, you keep as much distance between them as you can. You might feed them, but you better have a long handle spoon when you are feeding them. And, 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 and there are there are people in our lives that are poisonous, you know, they are, that being around them, you know, uh, tends to pollute our lives and cause us difficulty. But oftentimes we feel an obligation, especially Christians, you know, we kind of like feel an obligation. Well, the Bible tells me I should love everyone. The Bible tells me I should do, you know, I, I should have this turn the other cheek forgiveness kind of thing. And, and that's true. Absolutely. We should love everyone. We should be able to turn the other cheek. But turning the other cheek is about forgiveness. It is not about me having to stay there right. and, and absorb, you know, the venom that you're spewing. It, I can love you and not stay around you. And let me give you a good example. 
I am one that is heavy on the ecology. You know, I believe that, you know, God created all these creatures for our benefit. So I love the way the earth has been created and how it benefits us, which means I believe that snakes have a great value. You know, I believe that poisonous snakes have a great value because after all, they help keep the rodent population down. Right. So I love the snakes, but I'm not going to hang around them. (laughs) I'm going to still keep my distance from them. I love grizzly bears, but I'm not going to hang around them. So for people who feel like, well, I'm a Christian, I have to hang around, you know, poisonous people. No, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't say you have to hang around them. It just says you have to love them. And I can love you and not live with you. (laughs) That's right. Now, um, the flip side of that, and since you are you know, a pastor and you do some counseling, how do you handle a person that's come to you or they haven't come to you? Do you want them to like maybe recognize the fact that they are like this and they may be the reason why they're in a predicament or in this type of situations that they're always in, you know, always in their own way? Um, how do you approach someone like this and let them know, hey, you are being poisonous and venomous to other people that seemingly for no apparent reason. Well, you know, the thing about poisonous folk is this, unless, and this is the, uh, you know, and I want to caution people because I don't want anyone to feel like they have the skill level to deal with poisonous people, you know, because generally speaking, you need to stay, keep your distance, you know, unless you're really trained. And this is why I say that. Let's consider a cobra, for example, A, a cobra is a poisonous snake. Well, if I am a trained uh, 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 in, individual, I can capture the cobra. I can milk the cobra and take the poison out of the cobra and use it for good. Right. Right. It, it becomes antivenom. If I'm not trained and I try to capture the cobra, <laughs> I get bit by the cobra. Right. And I die. <laughs> right. Right. So, 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 and that's, that's really the, the, the best way to look at it. If, if I'm trained, yes, I can deal with poisonous people because my job, again, I can capture the cobra. I can milk the poison and I can use it for a good cause. So if I'm dealing with a person that's poisonous in my counseling, what I do is I help them to see that the things that they do to tear down really can be used to build up. You, you show them how they can take that and use it for a good cause. Right. You take that and you show them how they can get more benefit out of using it for a good method, for good reasons than for, than for, than for bad. Right? And if I can show you that, it doesn't mean you're not poisonous. It means you now understand that you can use it for good. And so you're less likely to bite. Yes. Uh, you're less likely to, to use your venom unless you're using it for self-defense. So rather than use it offensively, you now use it only defensively. But if you're not trained in that area, stay far from the snake. <laughs> stay far from the snake. Yes. Lest you get bit and die. <laughs> yeah, that's very good advice. Thank you so much, Dr. Daniels, um, for blessing us today with these um, words of wisdom coming straight out of the Bible. Um, I will put in the show notes where we can find these um, scriptures at and everything. So if you're listening to this, you want to uh, get a little bit deeper, I will have the scriptures in the show notes. This is your host, C.B. Baker. Thank you for listening to Everyday Strong Podcast with Dr. Daniels. 
Dr. Dan, you got anything else? Uh, just want to say to everyone, I hope everyone had a safe and uh, happy Memorial Day. And, and I just want to remind uh, our listeners that, that even though Memorial Day is a time to acknowledge those soldiers that fought, you know, in the armed services, I often tell people, don't forget those who also fought for our freedom that were not in the armed services. Right. You know, uh, as, I, as I said on Sunday morning, there are people like Harriet Tugman who fought for our freedom. Uh, and we need to remember her as well. You know, uh, there, there, there are a host of individuals um, that don't get the credit, even though they fall for freedoms. They may not be the freedoms uh, that we normally think of, but there are those that fought to end slavery. That's a freedom. There were Native Americans that fought to ensure that they, the Indians were not decimated. Right. You know, they, that's a freedom. We had to remember those people, too, uh, because they deserve our respect and they deserve us to remember them as well. So when I think of all the soldiers, I think of all soldiers, civilians and military as well. Well said. Thank you so much, people. Till next time. 